Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 212 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're talking about Skeldacross and then also about Havara, Vanderpol's return, Pitter's Palooza, the continued dominance of Lucinda Brand. We get into all of it, and we're going to do that in just a minute. First off, want to tell you about Willa's Oat Milk. Please go to willaskitchen.com. If you put in the code CROSSHAIRS20, you're going to get 20% off the best oat milk out there. If you haven't already, go check it out. Order it on up. They'll deliver it straight to your house, willaskitchen.com. Also, head over to the Wide Angle Podium Network page. Check out all the shows. They're all going strong. Got a lot of good content. I know it's getting into the dregs of the stay at home. We've been here for months and months and months. It's to the point where you're going to start running out of content. Wide Angle Podium, we got you covered. So go over there, get all those podcasts. Think about becoming a member. Finally, you'll hear us talk from here on out a lot on the show about the CX Hairs Bulletin. That is Zach and my new platform for giving you all of the cyclocross news and analysis and commentary and dad jokes, videos. We're covering it all. Even this podcast is all getting rolled into there. And we want you to be a subscriber. So there's a link below. It's cxhairsbulletin.substack.com. And that's going to bring all of that great cyclocross content straight to your inbox. So become a subscriber and get in on all of the good stuff. Hey, if you sent us letters and voicemails, thank you so much. We're compiling all of those. I think we're going to try to do a show with all of our letters and emails together. Feedback at cxairs.com gets you to our inbox. And 405-CX-HAIRS will get you to the voicemail. So keep sending those in. We haven't forgotten about you, but we're going to get them all together and get them out in one show. Okay. Scaled across. Havara. Cyclocross Radio, episode 212. We're with Michael and Zach, and we're doing it right now. We're back in the media pit. Michael, how's it going? Oh, Bill, sorry. I moved this weekend, um, but I, I, I have all my notes and my puns right here. Okay, um, I got to say, it was a real pity that Vanderpool win streak was ended this weekend. That was those, those were two solid ones for me. I may have even missed a third one in there for all I know. That was that was good stuff. I got to give a shout out to my girlfriend Emily who thought of the Pidcock one. So shout out to Emily. Nicely done. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the AP version of this. If you could have used uh, Sheldacross or Skeldacross, however you say it, I would have been like just bowing down to your greatness. But you're right. You're back, man. I said. I think I said it last week. Bodie is back. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Better than Vanderhaar. <laughs> As we mentioned, we got to to a double race weekend. Another double race weekend. We had Skeldacross in Antwerp on Saturday, which was a potty cross race. And then on Sunday, we had Havara, which was a super prestige race. Uh, let's get, let's just jump right into uh, Skeldacross. And 
you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun here um, on on our uh, coverage, but um, hey, hey, I was gonna say, are, <laughs> are you making a false start here? <laughs> let's start with the women, and then let's just keep going, even if we start a little <laughs> early. Yeah, what was up with that? I mean, I, I like I said earlier, I, I was moving this weekend, so I kind of like had to just come in and out of the the cycling discourse, but. I tweeted out like, hey, that looked like a false start. And there was definitely a conversation that happened afterwards. And it, I didn't, did you guys hear a conclusion? Was it actually a false start with the lights not synced to the whistle? Like what, what was the deal? Do you guys know? I just think they went early. Yeah. I think they false started. I mean, and it was, it was Alvarado and it was worst. I mean, they were kind of mid left. They were in the spots three and four. And the, I mean, they went early. But if, <laughs> if, 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 if if two riders false start and the officials don't blow the whistle, did it really happen? I guess not. I mean, apparently Sana Kant and Rebecca Farringer were both yelling and you, you go back and you can, you can hear them all sort of, you know, exclaiming like, whoa, 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 whoa. But yeah, race. I will have to give credit to, to Becca. She, in, in typical Becca form, she's like, I don't even understand the language, and I knew when I was supposed to start. <laughs> I thought that was pretty pretty classic, spot on. Uh, back. So, I mean, I, I, I don't remember this, but my understanding is the last time that um, it was tweeted out at me that Wout got busted. Like, what do they do? I've never I've never seen a Wout false is start the last in a race. time I think anybody has seen a false start actually called and it was his junior belgian nationals race and you're done like you fall start you don't get a second chance you're just dq'd and then they start everyone but like else do they again. stop the rate like how would this have worked would they have just like does an official start blowing the whistle does someone jump out in, in, i mean what happens to end in that the, instance I mean, i'm pretty sure they restarted the race and he tried to keep racing and they and he did like a lap and they finally just had to, or half a lap and they finally had to just force him <laughs> off the track. It was like, no, I'm, I'm going, this is my race to win, which it was. And, um, yeah. And that, that, um, somebody else got to be a Belgian junior national champ that year. But since then nothing. And at that time I went through this whole thing and I was like, there's no false start rule. You can't, tell me what a false start is. It is not defined. And people were like, well, in track, I was like, that's fine. But it's not in cyclocross. There is no road rule. There's no cyclocross. It's, it's like the, and this is, this is actually my X's and O's things. It's the Justice Stewart, I know it when I see it rule. And that's, <laughs> it, and that's it. And, and, I, and I put this out, I remember putting this out there years and years ago. And like Steph Wyman and all these other people who should, are smarter than me were like, no, 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 there's a rule. I'll find it for you later. I'm like, all right. And I checked back. I was like, where's that rule? And he was like, um, I, I'm still looking for it. I'll, I'll get it to you. And I was like, okay, still waiting for the rule. And I, I'd been through like the whole damn rule book like twice. It's like, it's not there. It says when a false start happens, you're disqualified. But it never tells you what a false start is. So here's my hot take. So Christine Majerus tweeted about it. And she's like, there's so many different ways of, of doing the starts. Uh, I actually really have a problem. I think one thing that does prevent it, you look at like, say your local rule where it's anytime in the next 15 seconds, 
like you can't time it to jump early. And I think with the red, 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 green, like you can time it. And I guess I just remember, so for our practices, we would do five, four, Michael, you were at our practice, uh, three, two, one, and everyone would go on one. And I'm like, it hasn't, we haven't gotten to the, instead when it's on the whistle, no one can get that fault, that jump. And it looks like they just jumped early. So I, my personal opinion, I think the start procedure is terrible and they should get rid of it. Well, and then let me ask you this, because, you know, even, and I think, you know, the started in New England is definitely all on the East Coast. I don't know if it sort of worked its way across the country. Everybody's going to say, no, it actually started in California. Sorry. Um, but I know, <laughs> I know it's been around forever is the secret start, right? So it's your official says 30 seconds to go. And then the official goes to the back of the field to blow the whistle. Because the second thing that happens then is that you time it to when it goes into the mouth, you see the inhale, and then everybody just takes off. I totally learned that from the skills and drills and belly aches, Bill. That is Thank on you. my shelf in the corner. <laughs> so I, we used to do the secret star at cross practice after I read your book. So that's awesome. Good to hear. Yeah. It's, uh, the second thing that I, I, I found interesting were people complaining about the lights and saying that the lights were new. Going back and doing like research on races, I've been looking at a lot of races from 2012, 2013. Those lights are there. You know, this is not a yeah. new thing. Uh, Cyclocross 24, who we love, uh, they put out something that was like, well, it's a heartbeat. You know, that heartbeat was throwing people off. That thing's been going on for years. And Cyclocross, it is every World Cup race for um, Red Bull and mountain biking for years. So, you know, you're a pro, you know how to do it. Look, either, either, uh, worst or, uh, Alvarado flinched. Right. And the other one saw it and they were like, whichever one it was, once one started going, the other was like, well, if she's going, I'm going. And, and that was it had that it. vibe. It had that football vibe when someone moves on the right side of the line and then like the entire right side of the line, you know, the tight end moves yep. and the guard moves and the tackle moves. And you're just like, way to go, guys. Uh, <laughs> it like, totally had that vibe. Um, it just it happened quicker. I mean, do you think maybe I mean, throw it out there. Like, do you think the official like what if it I mean, I'll just say like, what if it was Becca who did that? Do you think that because it was the world champ and it was worst and, you know, that if it had been an American or whatever, that maybe they would have gotten DQ'd. I will tell you this in, in my part of my, I've been going, this rabbit hole is like so freaking big right now that I've dug myself for the X's and O's that is hopefully out by the time anybody's listening to this. It's, it's about pits. But one of the things that I was looking for as well was a Sven at cross Vegas taking an illegal feed where the rule is, disqualification and somehow they talked it into a a fine i think it was a five thousand swiss franc fine instead of him being dq'd and having eavesdropped on some of those conversations i can tell you the fact that it was sven and that he won the race and that he would had come over for this and brought all this press and everything else completely played into it so zach i think that that is is possibly part of it um so we had it was a terrible i mean it was a bad start and i someone said that it was like one of the worst starts that they've seen but then we had i don't know magaly mr pedal uh which was unfortunate but then one of the um alpha motorhomes proximus dolcini yada 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 riders 
pinballs into Clara, who pinballs her into Becca. And it was kind of a bummer because I said this in the green room. I think that was the best start that both of them had all season. And I think it just put, you know, both of them on the back foot for that race, uh, which was really a bummer. So it was, as I said, as I wrote, it was an ominous start for North American cyclocross fans. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about Clara's coming out party, uh, this, this weekend. And I think that it is, um, it is a good sign that she has arrived in that I saw on some, Dutch Twitter that they're giving her crap about her start. So you figure when they've actually <laughs> noticed now her that that she's on she's on the right path. Like that's a good thing. Hopefully yeah, she can fix is. it and get get off the line quicker, but just just that she is she is right there in in people's um conversations I think is is awesome. The glow plug has to warm up that V8, you know? Sorry, it just takes time. So um, by the time this is posted, we will, if you haven't subscribed to the bulletin yet or signed up, the CX Harris Bulletin, cxharris.substack.com, got an interview uh, with Claire Hansinger. I actually haven't, uh, it's via email, I haven't opened it yet, but I did. I was like, I have to ask about your starts. And so by then we will know. I haven't, haven't read it yet. So it'll be interesting to hear uh, her perspective uh, on that because I felt like as a quasi pseudo hobby blogger journalist, whatever, I, I had to ask. Oh, for People sure. want to know. So uh, check that out. It'll be available to the public. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to, to, to hear what the result is. Zach, you're a Substackian. That's the new thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, w- with the women's race, I think the my biggest takeaway from this is we know, Zach, we were talking about the new World Cup rule where races have to be as close to 50 minutes as possible on the women's side. It's still between 40 and 50 minutes in the... Uh, in any, any other race, non, non-World Cup, non-championship race. And they were running, what, seven, eight-minute laps on the women's side? Around there, 42-minute lap, 42-minute race. It's, it's, it's one of those that I'm like, man, just, just one more lap. You know, that, this is the kind of one, one more lap, especially in this instance where Lucinda Brand was just, just getting rolling. I'll come back to Schuster's immutable rule of just the shit job the UCI officials do. They'll always, always, always opt for the shorter time than the longer time, like nine, 19 out of 20 times. And so even if they, you know, when they have a choice, they, they just, they always seem to go for the shorter time. And it's really even, even Jeremy Powers called them out and Jeremy Powers never says anything mean about anyone. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, and here's here's the difference too especially for those of us i think this is uh uk as well where they have a lot of um wait they don't call them masters races what do they call them veterans veteran races and plus all the youth races and everything like we do in the u.s where you'll have a day of cyclocross and you'll have what like 10 races you know in the day and in those instances it is very important that everyone is on time. You can't have your, you know, 35 plus B masters race go long because that just screws up everything for the rest of the day. And then by the time the elites are racing, it's nighttime. They have two races to get off and there's plenty of time in between them. There's, there's just no excuse for them not to, err on the side of a longer rather than a shorter race you know they don't have those time constraints 
Well, and they pull lapped riders. I mean, I, I feel for you, you know, USAC officials who have to do that dance of trying to make everyone happy and dealing with, if you're eight minutes down, you're out, you're gone, you know? So fine, do an extra lap and cut it down to 10 riders by the end. I'm okay with that, but like, you know, put the winners out there for 48 minutes. Like we want to see, <laughs> we want to see more racing. We saw it at, you know, they could do it at Tabor. We saw it. It was great. Yeah. Well, that race actually wasn't that spectacular, but anyway. <laughs> soon soon i swear <laughs> well i guess one person who probably was happy that it stopped when it was was betsma because she was able to hold off a charging brand right and that sort of you know i think maybe this was a course that suited her and and she i don't want to say she did the jerry powers and marty been calling this thing called the shock and awe which i don't really like but whatever they've they've landed on that term for someone going out hot Betsima didn't really do that in this race, but she did take advantage of the wire incident. I guess we should talk about that too, right? Like that was sort of the big moment in the race. And what Alvarado picked up a loose piece of wire on one of these sort of levee climbs. New section. Yeah. Wait, say it again? It was a new section. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the criticism of this is that they – this was the this is oh, Skelda Cross has, has you know been around for a while. It was Belgian Nationals last year. If you look at the Belgian, go back and look in Belgian Nationals. It's huge flyovers there, and they just use different parts of the beach. And this this year, no people there, so they could sort of reconfigure stuff. I'm sure they saved like hundreds hundred thousand dollars not having to build those uh, flyovers and build up all that infrastructure for for crowd control. But it also meant, hey, we got all this extra room where nobody's going to be standing. Let's dig out some new sections and it's an industrial area you know you look around there and it's just like factory after factory and there's just junk everywhere and that that was it this was one of these new sections and there was debris there was debris and you know so it is what had happened is that i think um prime time sort of pulled back brand who was kind of off the front and was kind of setting the pace and and uh kind of slowed things things down a bit but she gets what she gets caught up. She stops. She bent. She does the the bend over this the top two bend over, and uh, what the thing I when I rewatch the race I realize is that so Betsima is sort of charging from behind and she kind of makes her move to pass uh, to pass prime time almost at that climb, and then we sort of like we we the camera is on prime time for a long time and then we see Betsima and Brand and worse than the, you know. Sort of at the front of the race, they're on their own, and then we go back to prime time. And she's she's running with their bike. They're showing the replay again of it happening, and it's like, okay, good. And then they go. We go back to the race, the live pictures, and Betsima has a gap, and she's gone. And I'm just like, I get that she has a rainbow jersey, and I get that it was a big point in the race, but for the love of all things like TV, like, can we get some picture in picture? Like, what is? It's 2020. I know I haven't worked in broadcast TV in a long time, but I know the technology is there. Why can't we do that, guys? What Belgian broadcasters? Can we just like what do we where we missed that point where Betsama broke free? And that's something I actually want to know why, because Betsama hasn't been able to really drop brand in situations like this before. So what exactly happened? I don't know. Does anybody know? No, but I agree with you. Especially, you know, we'll we'll be talk when we talk about uh Havra, you know, it, it, it they 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 showed Ailey Ezerbeat more than they showed Tom Pitcock in that race. 
it, it was always going back to where easier beat was rather than leader. And it was the same thing. You, you, you would miss passes because they were so transfixed on the European champion. The, don't know what happened. You know, Betsema ends up winning the, the only point, you know, and to go along with the short race. And I think why, you know, not only did, would I have loved to have seen Brand win that race, but she put in her fastest lap time and matched Betsema's fastest lap time. So she had the fastest lap of the race in her last lap of the race, Brand. So, I mean, just like charging hard, cut, went from, had to be like 15, 13 seconds, I think, and had it down to five seconds by the time they crossed the line. And you figure probably closer than that because once, you know, she had to take her, her foot off the gas, like in that last that last coming around the bend. I mean, I guess so did Betsima, so who knows, but definitely closing it down and it would have been her killer last lap. Um, just, just an, a question to you guys. Uh, Primetime has to run to the pits. I mean, she kind of, she's soft pedaling there. I mean, do you guys think that it, it, she's sort of like, you know what, like, I'm just going to save it for tomorrow also, like, she's completely dropped out of the GC in X2O. Like, do you have a game plan? Is she like, you know what? This series is kind of lost. Like, She definitely soft-pedaled it. You can look. The great thing about the X2O series is we get lap times. Yeah. Which you don't get in the Super Prestige. And her... It, it's, it's funny because it just tells you how good of a racer is. She completely turned off the motor and was just like soft pedaling this race. And she was still like beating people as she was going. Like she was running eight thirty laps and then she was rating, r- running like eight forty five, eight fifty laps and still like moving up the standings doing that from like 30th to the 20th. But yeah, no, she definitely, she was, she, after she got it to the piss and it's one of those things too. You look at the, you know, th- it was something that I was critical of worse, you know, in the heat of the moment, trying to fix her bike when she was like so close to the pits that she could have just picked up her a couple of weeks ago, picked up her bike, ran to the pits and saved time. She was, there was no way that uh, Alvarado oh, yeah. was getting back there. She was so far away and she was cooked after that run. I mean, that was a long run. I wrote this after the race, but I'll just, I'll drop my scorching hot take for, for those of you who listen to the podcast. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll be even less opaque about it. I know that many of our listeners do not like Denise Betsema very much, um, especially over here in North America. Worlds are at Usten. Usten is less than 30 kilometers from Kokseida. Usten is on the, there's a beach, a third of the lap. You can go look at the course. It's on the UCI website. I think we might have to start preparing ourselves to, for Denise Betsema, world champ this year. I'm I, She's going to be, I mean, if she's still in good form, she's going to be one of the two favorites. I'd I think that it's pretty clear who the two best <laughs> racers are right now. I mean, we'll see what happens when the, the topper chart comes out. But at primetime, and we'll see us at Havra too, primetime has not looked, she has not looked like the killer uh, that she was earlier in the season. And Betsema hasn't been off a podium in over a month. She's been on yeah. eight in a row. You yeah. can't argue with Betsema's OPP. I mean, you can argue with how she has the OPP, but yeah. like, like you said, Zach, hard to not see those numbers and see where they go huh? i'm just saying better get on that brand train if you're if you're a, a betsima hater because i i think that she is going to be a favorite on that course or get on the homer simpson car and claire for worlds okay i i'm i'm okay with that we'll we'll talk we'll get to that soon we'll get to that um 
So uh, it was the Vanderpolsness. Yes. Yeah. And it was uh, more interesting, I think, than more people, th- most people, a lot of people, some people thought it would be. 21 minutes into the podcast, talk about burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, so I, my first note was that the, the Vanderpolstice was a roller coaster of emotions, right? And I think we saw this, we saw right. this uh, on Twitter, like during the race, like just in live, like as people's tweets sort of like had they had to walk them back like five minutes later. You even heard it from the announcers like Marty McDaniel is like two laps in. He's like, oh, and the best part of this is seeing how graceful Vanderpool is and the immense skill. And you're like, you know, once the announcer is talking about the skill of the rider and not the competition that the race is over. Right. But uh, uh, uh. Zach, you posted a screenshot on Twitter for Out of Context Cycling, and I feel like that was sort of the, like, record scratch. How did I get here? <laughs> well, what happened to Vanderpool? What happened to Vanderpolstis? I mean, he he biffed it in the sand. So what had happened is I was, um, I just screenshotted when he biffed it in the sand, and I had it in MS Paint, and I just kind of left it there, and I came back to it a little later. But it was blurry, but him in motion, doing an endo, um, but I, I think a lot of credit, and I wrote this, I think a lot of credit goes to the little terrier, Ailey Ezerbeat. He showed a lot of heart. Um, and we saw it, we saw on Sunday how much heart he showed because he just didn't have anything. Um, dude gave it everything he had, and I, I, I gained a little bit of respect for him. I, I, I was really impressed by how Ailey Ezerbeat raced. I, I was just going to say, you know, he, so Vanderpool crashes and, and he sort of like, he still has a gap, but then Ellie, the next lap, comes into that same section, that super long sand section where you have to run a ton and just rides it clean and like up to his wheel. And, and that was and that was it. And you and like you said, Zach, you saw him put it all into that race. And if you kind of we fast forward to the next day, it's like he puts it all into that race on Saturday, and then Sunday it's like, oh, yeah, you did all that, but like I'm Tom Pidcock and I'm just going to, you know, come out of nowhere and and take this whole thing from you. It's sort of like Pidcock once again beats Ellie at the game, right? Like Ellie and Pidcock have the competition and Ellie wants to beat Vanderpool and lo and behold, it's Pidcock who beats him first on Sunday. But Dude, I'm there was a ahead. reason, there's a reason that Pitters was headlining Pitters Palooza and Ailey <laughs> is just, you know, Ailey is playing an empty boom amphitheater uh to no fans <laughs> he's playing the second stage yeah exactly um but yeah vanderpool i mean i think we gotta we gotta talk about him i think he uh, uh i mean it's first race um i don't know bill what were, what are your thoughts on on the man here are my thoughts on the man is i think we saw this we saw this from him uh in in the press when he was talking about how he has really just setting it, it, it was it was a nice media play he he set it up i've proven everything i need to prove i've accomplished everything i need to accomplish in cyclocross i've 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 met all my goals i have nothing else to to do in the sport and what i think we can appreciate from that is that i think we we fall into this he is just this godlike creature that has been dropped onto the earth and can just do cyclocross without even trying. Bill, would you would you call him a cyborg? <laughs> I, I I would not because I don't have the evidence, but I would not rule it out. 
So here's here's what I think we can take from that. In the past, he has come in and he has just crushed souls with better skills and more power than anybody else in the sport. And we all took it for granted that that's just who he was. I think what we're learning is that he actually worked on that year after year after year and put in the time on the skills, put in the time on making sure that his machine was correctly tuned for the sport of cyclocross. And this year, I just don't think he really did that. You know, he didn't have the mountain bike season. He didn't have the skill stuff. We saw him riding in the sand and you're like, holy crap, he's, he's still amazing, you know, in his little Instagram clip. But at the same time, and I, and I think Ailey Ezerbeet said this, he's like, well, you know, Skeldacross sets up for his skills. He can come in here and basically win this race untrained, which he's not untrained. And it's also, again, a good media play for Ailey, of course, just downplaying his chances, which is amazing after he had so much bravado every week before this. But I think this is what we're seeing from, from Vanderpool is he's not coming in at the same shape both physically and also mentally and also skill-wise as he has in the past. And that means that everybody else has a chance. And it turns out there's one guy who sort of like matches him, you know, in the power and skill section who's also coming in late and he may have done those things. I totally agree with you. And I think, uh, I mean, I'll get, we'll get to it when we get to Havara, but even when he got that gap, I think when Ailey fell off his wheel, he made a mistake. It was maybe like the second lap pretty early on. I feel like in the past, that's where he had, it was that five to eight minute VO2 Matthew Vanderpool was just so up on another plane of existence than everyone else. And I thought we saw two straight races where he, he never had that. Sn- he looked conventional. Like he didn't have a big Matthew Vanderpool soul crushing move. It just, it was like, it was weird. It was like watching someone else. Without without that, yeah. that Vanderpolian just snap, I'm gone, I do this unreal thing. It was weird. It was really weird. If Cyclocross is judged on skills, he got the silver medal in both races. Who would you get the skills gold medal to in uh Sheldacross? Easer beat. Okay. I just don't think I don't think I mean there were times it was the power that I think won it for Vanderpool in those, you were talking about those, those long sand sections that he could power through more times than Ezerbeat. I think really, especially near the end was able to, to get him that gap. And he just, I think there was a point where Ezerbeat was like, I got him, I got him, I got him. And then, um, Vanderpool kind of played him with some of those long, yeah, stretches and, and, um, he, he he was hanging on to some matches that I don't think Ezerbeat had left. I I just wanted to say that, um, you know, this this sort of this race like bringing Vanderpool and, and bringing Petters into this, and wow too is amazing that the game plan for the sauces has changed, or they can't quite operate in the same way because in this race you know eventually Mikey V brings like the rest of the fucking sub sub toppers to that group and then mikey v goes to the front i'm like okay sauce's game plan engage and what happens eli ellie the ego just he can't let it happen like he has to go back to the front and he has to make a move and he has to drop all his teammates obviously if he's dropping his teammates they might not been strong enough to sort of be there but like there seems like there's something you could do you could throw a few wrenches at Vanderpool and, and and sort of make him chase a few more times and and you know and Mikey V was there he was ready to play the teammate 
But I don't know. Sauces are expired to use Bill's uh, Twitter joke. <laughs> you reminded me that another thing that I really enjoyed about the first lap was I think Ailey knew that he needed to be on Vanderpool's wheel. And his aggressiveness in the first lap of that race was just like, I think, Bill, you would agree, it's the kind of cyclocross that we love. I mean, he was pushing dudes out of the way. He was taking corners from people. You know, someone on Twitter suggested he was throwing some bows, which, hey, man, it's it's Belgian cyclocross. Like, all is fair. But I think he had the sense of urgency that we haven't seen because, you know, he's typically not at the front at the start of the races. But, like, he has no reason to panic because he knows that he can close on everyone else in the field. And I think he knew that Vanderpool was in the mix and Vanderpool was in front of him. And I loved it. I actually super enjoyed watching Ailey's first lap and his desire to get to the front. Yeah. I think before, before we move on to our next race, the other, the other, I, I think you made a good point, Michael, just about the, the dynamics and the sauces and what we saw last weekend was when Wout was still in the picture was that Tone we talked about it Tone had an ally and that sort of changed the whole the whole makeup of the uh, of the races where I think Tone was finally and 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 Wout's the kind of guy I mean they they're they're pre-riding together you know you could see Wout and Tone out there riding together yeah I, I think I, I think Wout just goes and makes friends with anybody but at the same time those guys are tight and and yeah they 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 were definitely knew that they were good for each other out there the problem is then you get Pidcock and Vanderpool into the picture and they just completely blow that out of the water. It's just this whole new level that none of these guys are ready for. You know, it's 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 going from JV to varsity. It's just a, a whole new game that they have to deal with. And now the sauces aren't like the big men out there. Now they're now they're like trying to chase or trying to catch up. They're trying to get on that first team. I was I was just had this thought that that Vanderpool is sort of like Gandalf, you know, like he sort of he like he's not the main character in the story, but he sort of comes in at certain points and really kind of directs the narrative and has these these insane powers. And he comes back as Gandalf the Grey, and Vanderpool wears all the white shorts, and like the sauces, like Ellie, and they're like the hobbits, like they're like the guys you sort of can like you you can recognize and you sort of like you 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 sympathize with and they sort of are moving the narrative forward and battling these big giants. But yeah, that's, that was sort of my Lord of the Rings take on Vanderpool. All right, let's, let's go to Havra. All right. So we're leaving the beach. Uh, we're going to an air force base, a uh, little bit, definitely a different bit of a track. Really one of the, I don't know. I, I've really, since I've learned the history, I think Havra is one of the classic like it's a super prestige. It's 40 years old. It's one of the classic European cyclocross courses starts in that big windy twisty section in the woods. It has the bouncy house descent. Uh, and then it has that climb that climb. I mean, that thing rivals your best climb at Namur. And, and it was, it was nasty out there. It was slick. It, you know, tire pressure definitely played into it. Do you think this is, I mean, it's in my head because it's when I'm, um, dealing with for my video, but do you think the um, the illegal pit just uh, was grandfathered in from from all those years ago that they were just like <laughs> a, it's okay, we're just going to go with it? Do you think they what got, like, makes a, it illegal, Bill? It's a it's on Is a descent. Ah, okay. It's be a flat surface. Yeah, it's, 
pretty sure that's yeah. grandfathered in from uh, all those videos that we were going to watch, but then, <laughs> but then my, but then my <laughs> Instagram, Instagram got disabled, got locked out. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, Bill, do you have it back? Nope. You no, I, I, I appealed. I, I took the little pictures that they make you take holding up a special code in your name and your, um, <laughs> your, your handle. And I today's version of Washington Post. Yeah, I, it, yeah, and I haven't, I haven't heard anything back yet. So that's a blow for cyclocross, like for you to not have your Instagram account. That's okay. It's a blow oh. for my research ability because I used to put all those <laughs> clips on, and I was like trying to look back. And thankfully, I have like this old computer here that still has a lot of those races on it, so I was able to to do my research like that. But hey, it's it's it was a crapshoot finding the uh, the clip of Mariana Voss riding backwards on the course to get to the pits. I did it, <laughs> but I had to look through a lot of races. It was that ball. So in the women's race, we uh, I don't we saw the shock and awe again. I you know, um, yeah, Betsima. I thought for sure it's a Betsima course. It's a climby, descendy technical course. That's what she's good at, and she went out like a rocket. <laughs> started fast um (laughs) you know and it quickly i don't know i it quickly got down to her and lucinda brand and i think more and more i just you see brand she's she really excels at this kind of course when it's a little she she rides well in the mud when it's a little bit thick um she's just really dialed in you know maybe there's the moments where we've seen her at like leuven where she you know endoed or whatever but like she just shows up and she rides really well in these these muddy. It wasn't a thick muddy course, but like she just rides well in the mud. She's doing really well at it, and you know I think that she showed that again. Yeah, I think it was like that surface slickness where you, you saw people just kind of sliding out all over. And I don't know if it was um, tire pressure was. It, it seemed like tire pressure was pretty crucial, and there was a lot of. Um, a lot of hand motions to, to pits as people were coming in to try to try to make those those adjustments. But I, I agree. I think that that in this kind of thing where it's kind of it's technical but steady, I think is like huge for brand. Plus the climbs are pretty long. That's that's the best description. Technical but hmm. steady. It's she she seems to maybe make mistakes on things on decisive features um which i think is part of why i mean she's been doing well at namur namur is just like consistently technically the namur Namur off camber right the long field yeah um yeah where it's it's never pretty uh she certainly doesn't do it pretty i mean there was one moment where you know she kind of did a left turn away from the bouncy house the bouncy house was pretty dry um that descent was not as gnarly um as it's been in the past but i know there was at least one i mean this is fast forwarding but to the men's but there was at least one where tom pickcock just railed it at the bottom and it was just like because he was kind of getting dropped it was like it was a pretty sick corner um but it really didn't have the as somebody noted on twitter it was um it was less i think it was mark savory made that made the good point that it was drier because there was no beer <laughs> I, you're talking about pits. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I guess you know. We're as we're sitting here, we're kind of struggling to say anything besides the fact that Brand was just more powerful or whatever. But uh, Betsim has been having some trouble with her pit squad, and she always seems to blame her pit people. And that the one that she biffed was totally her fault, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. it wasn't. It's it is bike she, was too far out, huh? It's. But they never have the bike out for her set. She never has like a target to go for. 
So she hands off the bike. They're still moving the first bike. And then she just gets like tangled up in it. You know, she comes in too hot. She comes too close to the other bike. But at the same time, they're just not doing a good job setting her up for a good getaway on the, on that transfer. Have you guys noticed the weird things she does with her hands? She does a full on like, I, I don't know. It was like I was watching to see if anyone else does it. When she hands it off, her hands just go spread apart. <laughs> like super wide and you can like see her pa- it's really interesting because i was like does do i do that does anyone else do that those just it seemed very interesting to me I and mean, i don't i don't think it played a role but yeah. it was like kind of like the toss and whoosh, yeah i don't know I'm, I'm sure maybe not to put all the blame on on her crew i'm sure it's it's a little you know half and half for her but i i, I did think that they didn't did not do a great job just i, I compared it to to pidcock who those guys are just so well trained that that bike is just like set in the middle and it's just like rock solid when he comes in every time, same place. And it's just, you know, it's just routine. Even, even the one time where, you know, we'll get to it. He didn't have a second guy, guy because he was still getting his other bike wash. It was just one guy and he was able to drop it and go. But it's just like, you can tell it's just so practiced compared to what, what she's dealing with, which I don't think they're putting in the time. They're not getting the reps in. Oh, got to put in reps, 10,000 hours right. of, of pit exchanges. Bill, I hope you include in your video that shot of the, the, the line for the power washers that was like. Yeah, and it, it also, and I don't, I, I'm going to assume that if you're a top rider in that race, you're bringing three bikes. Yeah. Y- you have to. And I think that's what right. happened to Pitcock because, you know, well, just to jump ahead, he was always changing on pit one. And there was, it was lap six and he changed on pit one and pit two and pit two is like three minutes after pit one and his guy still in line with his bike. So his other guy had to get bike three and just do a solo handoff on pit two. I mean, there's no way that he comes that he, he only had two bikes because it just, it would just now they would have had to just send him on and be like, Hey, we'll get you next time. I normally don't really give a shit about the pits and you know that I know some other uh, there's other shows there's a bike shop you know they're great at this stuff but even I noticed that line I was like holy yeah and I was thinking the same thing I'm like you must have to have three bikes the other the other part of it too which I'm I know is an issue is that it's the Brit you know if that's like tone airts they're letting him go to the front of the line right yeah, I was going to say Vanderpool, but I'm not. Vanderpool would have a little harder time. But Toner, mm. you know, the, the the Belgians are going to help the Belgians. We we definitely know that. But Pitcock, I think he's 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 sitting in his guys are sitting in line. So I know we're going to talk a lot probably about Pitters Palooza too. But uh, I think we would be infinitely remiss if we didn't talk about glow plugs. Sure. Yeah. God dang! Wow. Talk Dang, of, did she race well. Like a knife through butter the way she came through that field. Oh, my gosh. For those who haven't caught up, that's Clara Hansinger we're talking about. It's right. Glow plug. She's the diesel. Little diesel. She brought the Duramax out to Havara. And, you know, that, I don't know, like just you watch the race, the start, you don't really see her. And then I think it's like lap two. You're like, oh, crap, she's in ninth. And then lap three, she's like she's like attached to the Sonicant. You know, Sonic Kant is once again le- leading that sort of... Uh, Castelline, backer. Yeah, what is that group, group you've called it, Bill? The, um, <laughs> well, it was... Uh, the mentor, the mentor yeah, group. Like, exactly. she's sort of like Sonic Kant is teaching these riders. She just 
goes right through that group. And you're like, there's Claire Hansinger just riding straight through the three-time world champion. That was awesome to see. And then that shot, that beautiful shot where the camera is zoomed in on the muddy hill and you see the head just come over and appears and it's Claire Hansiger and like the stars and stripes and you're just like, I mean, I, you know, I had a yell America at that point. Like it, I, it hit me in the chest, you know? So and even that's even better than that was such a long lens that you would see Alvarado come through and then she'd be going and you know, it's still longer than it looks, but then you just see those little stars and stripes in the background. You're like, and you're like, she's right there. <laughs> what happened on the, um, the, the, the cart path yeah. <laughs> section or whatever, where you're like, Oh, she's right behind. And then at the bell, she was 20 <laughs> seconds down. You're like, Oh yeah, that, that, that section is, is really, uh, really long, long so, and deceptive. Um, yeah, no, I was impressed in my preview. I was like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Hansiger had a good race at Havra, and here she does the thing. I, like, surprised myself even. Um, but, you know, I think that she's showing, like, on those courses, she's just a, a rock. And so, you know, she's able to just ride steady. She's obviously really strong. She's a good climber. She's a great technical rider. But it just seems like, I don't know, just putting your head down, and she just picked riders off one by one and super impressive to watch. Like an assassin. Jesus. I mean, you know, in next week is Namur and that was her what like highest finish at 6. So like coming off this fourth um this Sunday like pretty pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if she gets on the podium at Namur. I, I think that would I, I mean, I guess everyone knows now. <laughs> we've been on the Clara train for a number of years and we've we've seen how special of a rider she was going to be. So it's pretty cool to see like literally the entire cyclocross world kind of taking note of, of it. I mean, I remember the first race I saw her podium at was the second place at a jingle cross night race, you know, the night before the world cup. And here was this Clara was like 19 or 20 or something. It was just really cool getting to, to get to meet her and then seeing really, I mean, her growth has been exponential and her success that she's had. So it's really cool yeah. uh, to, to get to see that and see, our champ, our champ representing for, for Team USA yes. has been just really like super, super duper awesome as a, as a, the fan part of us. <laughs> and also, Sana had a good weekend. And I will say, like, she finished fourth at Skelda Cross, but, like, that's a sand race. I was actually more impressed by how she raced at Havra on a course that really is not a Sana Kant course. Um, I don't know. I think she had a good weekend. I, Michael, I would be consider buying buying a few shares of, of Sana Kant stock. Uh, I thought she had a good weekend. I think so too, Zach. I mean, I think she sort of settled into that role, like you said, the group ride in that Sonic Con zone. Now, maybe she's she's sort of taken over the Donshot zone, and you know, I, I like to see it when she rides with the youngsters, and then she beats them at the line. Although at Havra, Yara Yara Cast line did did drop her at the end, um, but yeah, dude. She, and also, I texted this out to our friend, uh, the Super Rookie. She's got the flow. Sana's got the the lettuce going right now, and it's a good a good look. I'm into it. Stylish. Pitter's Palooza. Let's do it. <laughs> Part two. I've got a question for you guys. So we had huge expectations for Tom Pitcock. We called it Pitter's Palooza. Um, even he acknowledged in his post race interview uh, to be polite. We'll just be polite about it and say he dropped the ball. He dropped the ball uh, into Pandora's Swale at Tabor and he acknowledged that he raced like, butt. um, do you think this was even better because we kind of had lowered expect, like this came out of nowhere. It shouldn't have. Cause he finished third at Skelly Cross, but like, right. 
I felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like he he lowered expectations enough that we were just like, eh, whatever. And then like, boom, it was like it was like uh, Taylor Swift's first album. Um, shit, I'm getting stuck here. What was the what was the first one called um, that she just released? Oh, just released? No, yeah, oh, not folk, not uh, Evermore. The one before that, Folklore, right? Yeah. It was like you know, Lover sucked. Like we had forgotten about her, and she's just like, boom, I'm back. It's the kind of moment Tom Pickcock had. All in the course of like three you're weeks. Helping, you're helping me with my uh, with my with my uh, heat check, my Taylor Swift heat check. Uh. Just as long as you get party in the USA in there, that's the best one. Is that Miley Cyrus? Oh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, did you 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 were joking? You actually thought that was Taylor Swift? No. I I thought you were joking. I I am joking. I I. I... <laughs> sure you are uh, but for real i mean so did you guys did this come out of nowhere for you guys because i was kind of like i was like you bitters? can't say it didn't come out of nowhere he took down the unbeatable force of cyclocross i mean to get on a podium i think we were expecting it to win to beat matthew vanderpoel i mean come on this was like a right. monumental race right it came out of nowhere like it was shocking. He shocked the world. He well, okay. So he got second at Worlds last year, obviously. But he, he was, you know, wasn't at the battle in the front with Vanderpool. What he did to Boer, he got nineteenth, and then he got. I'm I'm trying to pull. So on Saturday, he was ninth. Night, at, he was ninth at Boom, ninth and then at Boom, he was third, third at Skeldacross. Skeldacross. So on Saturday night, my friend Matt Kite, who's an Englishman, sorry, he's from Yorkshire, York, Yorkshireman, he sent me a message saying Paycock's on fire. I'm like, on fire? What are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, boom, you know, Tabor, 17th, boom, 9th. And I was like, oh, wait, third on, on Skeletacross. And he's like, yeah, he's on fire. So I feel like my, my, my friend saw it coming and he, and he called it. And But yeah, to, to see him, I mean. He, call, he called him beating Vanderpool. Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to... I'll have to go back and, and check the notes. But I don't know if they called it. But I will say that it was like... It was like Pidcock just rode the momentum that he had at the end of Shell the Cross straight into the start of Havara. Because he went off the, the line like, like that. Like he was going to win the race. He said... He listened to Zach and he said, if I want to win the race, I have to be off the front. Here's, so. here, here's something to keep in mind. Mountain bikers are very serious and very fast and some of the best athletes in cycling and some of the most skilled athletes in cycling. Tom Pidcock showed up <laughs> and won mountain bike worlds in the U23. On a motorized bike, he won the, you know everything and then he came back and won worlds. That's no easy feat. I mean, these dudes are for real. So that's power, that's climbing, that's skills. Full package. So looking at that in hindsight, we're like, yeah, he was he was he was he put himself into a position to come into cyclocross and already be one of the best. He already showed that he could be, much in the way that Vanderpool would do that in mountain biking as well. And I Love cyclocross to death. I think if you look at the caliber of athlete in mountain biking, biking versus the caliber of athlete in cyclocross, get Wout and Vanderpool out of the equation, the mountain bikers are going to win. So for him to do that, you already knew this was something special. Here would be my question for you guys. Bigger win for 
this super prestige race more important than the silver at elite worlds in cyclocross yes yeah i mean like he he beat vanderpool i mean so like he got a silver but he he was you know was he close to vanderpool but the fact that he actually he's the king slayer you know he did it like i said before ellie did it um he did it not while Wout was there, but he did it before Wout did this year. So, yeah, I think this is, this last is his year. first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, the, I forget who it was in our, um, one of our chat forums. I think they said bigger win. This super prestige or e-mountain bike world championships. <laughs> that was good. That was and good. I laughed so hard at that. It's like Kevin I think it was. No, I, I think that I, this was a bit... I mean, you're right. Even though... The, I, Mike, I was trying to find this article that someone wrote that said that um, because the last season of Game of Thrones was so god-awful that basically Game of Thrones references are over, and I was going to send that to you, so <laughs> <laughs> using the Kingslayer reference, but you're right. Like, I mean, he did the thing. He did the thing. God, it was a great race. He raced so well. I mean, he was just like... He bossed that, and it wasn't just like... He was never... I mean, there was a hot sec... I, I felt like on Saturday, Ailey was always in, like, he was making mistakes. I felt like he was always, like, in that, like, just trying to hold Vanderpool's wheel and, like, was not going to win that race. On Sunday, Pidcock was like, I'm better than you. I'm, like, straight up better than you, and I'm going to beat you. And it was it was so dope. That sixth lap was just so sick. Like, he just killed him. It was great. It was awesome. It was I mean, he, he, he slayed the king with panache. So I think this is the question that everybody wants us to talk about, and I'm going to ask it. Is Tom Pitcock elite? Yes. Tom Pitcock is elite. And here, here would be my take on silver medal at Worlds versus Tom versus beating Vanderpool here and why, to answer your question, he is elite. I think he was happy to get a silver medal, but in the long run... I don't think he gives a shit. I think I think Tom Pitcock is about the wins. He's about the gold, and that's the only thing that matters. So if you if you take down Vanderpool and show this is my path to be the best cyclocross racer in the world, even if it is just a series race in the Super Prestige versus what's supposed to be the most important race in the world, where people would you know make their careers off of getting on a podium at Worlds. I just, I just think he is, he's bigger than that. And he expects, expects more than that. This is a guy who expects to win a world championship someday. So getting a silver is like, yeah, that's cool, but that's, that's not really what we're in for here. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know, I guess maybe to continue my thought, but I, I think one thing that was really neat about this is if you look at races that Matthew Vanderpool has quote unquote lost, which of course for him means fin- like finishing second, <laughs> Um, I think there was the one, I mean, I don't even know what happened last year, but you know, I, I don't know if he finished third, there was the Copenberg where he was just terrible. Um, Pitcock beat him straight up. I mean, it was mano a mano and Pitcock beat him. And I just, I came back to it. It was so great. Oh man. What a great race. This is like this. That was ah, it's such a great that's race. That's where he, that's where I think he is the type of rider can match Vanderpool in those situations. He can match him with the power and he outskilled him. That was the thing. So many dabs from Vanderpool coming around that off camber after the pits every time. Foot down, foot down, foot down. And Pitcock's just like, brap, out of there. You know, <laughs> clipped in the whole time, focused, and gone. That was my email MTB uh, uh, 
sound effects. All right, so I'll I'll ask you, gentlemen. I mean, I'll ask you guys a question. Namur, Woot, Woot, Woot is going to be there. I don't think it matters. Pitters is going to be there. Matthew Vanderpool is on a one race losing streak. <laughs> Do we see? We talked at the beginning. We talked about him. Nah, he doesn't care. Whatever. You know, he's not there. You know, I don't need. I, I, I don't have anything. Don't, to, I did not say. I did not say he did not care. I, I'm being facetious. This is me being. This was in uh, the sarcastic. You know, cap lower, cap lower, cap lower. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, this season he's. I, I think he wants that jersey. But like, you know, at least outwardly, I think he can be able to brush this off. Does Does Vanderpool come come back with some fire? Like what? What what what's going to be the mentality? How is Namur going to start? Because I think Pitters is going to have a lot of wind in his sail, um, and perhaps even a better start call up. I don't know if he'll still be on the second row, but like, how does Vanderpool bounce back from this? Well, and let me throw something else in there. And you kind of mentioned it, and you sort of sort of pushed it aside. But there is a psychological factor of Wout being there, and this being the first time that they are going head to head. So I I think a Great race pitters savor it. It's the only time it's happening is going to be one thought in Vanderpool's head. And the other one is, oh, well, you know, it's Wout and I need to like, you know, <laughs> flick his ear a couple times while we're uh, out here as well. So I think that I think that I think that Vanderpool is going to come back motivated. I the if, if there is and you uh in our in in the Slack channel, Zach put the weather report up there. I will always think about the time that Vanderpool, I think slid down on that off camber three times in a row. And then finally it was like, they're kicking his bike. I mean, this had to be like five or six years ago. He was a kid, but at the same time, just so frustrated and so pissed off at Nimur. And I'm thinking that's got to still be like in the back of his head somewhere, especially if he's got pressure. So I don't know if it's his favorite place. I would like to think that him, you know, last time he lost was almost exactly a year ago. Um, and I would like to think that Pidcock beating him is, as you say, Bill, bulletin board material. Um, I, I assume he comes in, like you said, he downplayed it in the media. He got that first win. Oh, it was pretty hard, you know. It was, you know, had a good feeling, but it was a hard race. He lost. Like, Vanderpool, he's not going to lose again. So uh, he comes in strong. I think he come, Pitters comes in with confidence. Wow, I, I'm not too sure about, but hopefully this training camp is good. I think it's going to be – I'm excited. It's going to be a good race. Who do you got? Who's your pick? Tone Arts. Nice. Who's your women's pick? Brand. She's on fire, man. Zach, who you got? Screw it. Riding the Pitters train. Nice. Yep. Pitters is going to do, he's going to do the thing two weeks in a row. How about, uh, he's going to do it. How about women? The women? I mean, you got to pick Brand. She's won two years in a row. Like, she's racing really well. Um, obviously, none of us are going to pick Batsuma. I think it'll, I think it'll be Brand Batsuma. And I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any, like, like super, I, I could really see Clara finishing third. Um, I just, I don't, but didn't, I say this, didn't Alvarado finish second at Namur last year? Like she just, she struggled on these climby courses. Like she just has not looked like herself. 
Question mark. I, I see someone else slipping into to third place. Wait, what's up with Anne Marie Worst? I I mean, is like does she she has something to prove? I don't know what happened to her at Havra, but like she's just been off her game. I mean, it seems like the kind of course that Worst could do well on as well. Um, I just I see someone different. I see someone breaking. I see a different third place finisher than what we've uh, grown accustomed to, which apparently has been prime time lately. It's really weird. No, Clara's out. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I mean, nobody picked Vanderpool to win, so I'm picking him. Well, I mean, yeah. We'll see. I think Vanderpool. I think Vanderpool's going to win. No, no, no. I, you I, got tone. I, I, I had tone. I t- tone. I feel like tone. Maybe getting his groove back. Okay. Don't see. You don't. Don't. There. If if you're wrong, see, Michael. Do you want me to edit this? Because if you're wrong, nobody cares. But now you've already hedged your bet on tone so if he wins you're going to be like yeah but you also picked vanderpool it's just not as strong well, a decision it. just stick with the tone dude michael that's see that's the beauty like in my preview i wrote about like five different <laughs> racers and i said one thing and i could just point to it and be like look at this this guy's really smart subscribe to our our sub stack and our <laughs> newsletter where you can get such predictions as this one michael's too honest um so we've got like this is really weird and i don't know how we're gonna handle this we have like pre-curse period cursed period we've got a race on sunday and then we have a race on the 22nd which i believe is tuesday and then we have a race on the 23rd which i believe is wednesday and then we have a race on the 26th and the 27th and then i think the next one might be not till january 1st so we've got a lot of racing coming i don't know how we're going to cover all these we have like the hottest of hot takes coming right off the press on that uh, Tuesday race. Yeah, I think that's going to be it. We're going to have to just jump in with both feet and figure out how the rest of the week goes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Give people, uh, you know, if you are traveling, have that out for Christmas Eve or whatever. You know, listen to, listen to the media pit. Yeah. And subscribe to the bulletin. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Wide Angle Podium friends, join me, longtime cyclocross writer Molly Herford, and me, endurance coach Peter Glassford, on the Consummate Athlete Podcast. You'll learn about how the pros like Katarina Nash, Ellen Noble, and Magalie Rochette train, and hear the best advice from experts in exercise science, nutrition, and sports psych to crush your racing goals. We discuss topics like how to run for cyclocross training, if strength training will improve your cycling, how NASCAR can teach you how to corner smoother, and how to fuel for a long day at the races. Come hang out and learn how to live a happy, adventurous life. Subscribe to the Consummate Athlete Podcast and visit us online at consummateathlete.com.